250. Very entertaining. Uh, you have several nicknames. You have Hambone. Hambone, okay. yes. Okay, I have, I have tagged you Jihadi Steve. Jihadi okay, Steve. Yep. Which I, I think is uh, kind of a fun one. I understand. We have fun with that. And uh, you've got a good message for us today, yes? Yes, I do. Okay, well, let's, uh, Thanks, Jay. let's do it. Hey, is there a $5,000 champion? That's what you should ask for, Jay, right? Morning, everybody. So I promise you, um, we'll get out of here probably a little earlier than normal. It just depends on how, how much you guys encourage me. It can be dangerous. Take a deep breath there for a second. Hey, before I start, um, John and Kathy are at a retreat down in Texas, getting some time to get refreshed and spend some time with each other. So uh, allow me just to say a brief prayer for them and um, thank the Lord for their service and faithfulness to us. Jesus, we thank you for uh, John and Kathy's leadership, Lord, for their graciousness for the example of what it means to uh, share your mercy and grace. Would you bless them now, God, as they um, spend time with you and seek to be touched by you and just get some time alone to refresh. In Jesus' name, amen. So we all love drama in America, myself included. Uh, it's fun, it's exciting, it's full of suspense most of the time. Uh, from The Walking Dead to The Flash, right? Breaking Bad, The Buckeyes, especially as the game against that team up north gets closer. I don't have much interest in that. Uh, Snapchat, Facebook, and it goes on and on. That's not the real drama that's happening, though. The real drama of the ages is hard to see because it's happening on the inside of men and women. <clears throat> in our own homes, at work, at school, at local restaurants, at Starbucks, in hospitals, rehab centers, the county lockup, etc. The great drama of the ages is this, that every one of us is born with a sin problem, and we all need to meet and admit to Jesus that he is Lord, Master, and Creator. Let me just explain briefly what I mean by a sin problem. When God created men and women, there was no sin. There was no problems. Everything was perfect. What they did in the garden, they disobeyed God and sin came in. And now because God is, is just, he cannot just look over sin. Sin meaning the example that he set for us to live, we've missed that target. We've missed the mark. He can't allow that to happen. And so we're all destined for judgment. But that's not the end of the story because God is not only just but merciful He's provided a way out of sin, which is simply to bow your knee to the claims of Jesus. The claims of Jesus are simple. You can't please God without him. It's impossible. Just simply come before him and surrender. There's no magic prayer. There's nothing else you have to do other than do business with God and admit that you deserve nothing and that he's the boss, and that you'll spend the rest of his life following him. 
I explain that so much in depth because at the end of the message today, I'm going to give people a chance to respond that don't know Jesus. And also, I'm going to give a chance for those of us who have been Christ followers for a while to allow Jesus to break our hearts in a more deeper manner for those of us around us who are dying a hopeless uh, or living a hopeless and miserable life. And all they have to look forward to is death. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? Those of us who have already decided to follow Jesus play a big part in this drama. God has given all, all of his followers the key that can set the selfish, the prideful, the violent, the drug addicted, the adulterer, the thief, you fill in the blank, and even those of us who look normal, he can set us free. The key that God has given us in this great drama is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again, it's not just the gospel, but it's the good news gospel. Throughout this message, I'm going to contrast and compare the good news gospel with the bad news gospel. The bad news gospel is really no gospel at all. It's a counterfeit gospel. There's no better age, there's no better news than the news that we have to give the people, and that is this. Jesus, who died for you and rose again from the grave, loves you just as you are. There's not a comma, it's a period. You're the apple of his eye, and he's provided a way for us to be set free from being a slave to things that aren't good and oftentimes harm us and those around us. Jesus doesn't want you to change and then come to him. He wants you to come to him and then allow his Holy Spirit to change you in his timing right here in the midst of our community. I often think that we as the church, myself included, enter this great drama and carry the wrong news in our pockets. We give it to people who are still rounding around in the, in the great drama of the ages and it's useless. It's like filling their hands up with sand. It doesn't do squat and it's not what they're looking for. Instead of giving the good news gospel, we give them the bad news gospel of behavior modification, act like we do, change your horrible non-Christian behavior, listen to the music we like, and then after you come for a while, change the way you dress and talk and the things that you watch after church on Sunday, you know, no more football, but whatever we think has to happen, then we say, okay, you've proven yourself, come on in, you can be a part of our club. When we do that, we misrepresent what Jesus has given us to do. Again, the marching orders we have are very simple. It's that you proclaim that people can be free, not by following laws, not by going to church, not by the political systems of this world, not by following certain behaviors, but by and only by simply surrendering your will to Jesus. That's the good news. That Jesus loves you and his favor is available for everyone. He paid for it all and it's complete. So there is a good news gospel that brings freedom. And there's a bad news gospel that brings slavery. They're very closely related. You'll see as I go on. I will try to explain the difference. And at the end of my talk, like I already said, I'll give people a chance to respond to it. And allow the Holy Spirit to come and make alive what we've just learned. I'm going to read a scripture. Uh, if you guys are looking in the Bibles that are in the back of all the seats, it's going to be on page 713, and it's Luke 4, 16 through 19. Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll know this. 
So this is speaking about Jesus. Jesus went into Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So the good news gospel is this. The spirit of Jesus is on us as believers. We're empowered to proclaim the good news gospel. He's given us power to spread and proclaim the good news, and we're commissioned. Freedom for prisoners, people that are imprisoned to sin, People that are in prison to the social justice issues we talk about all the time. You can put anything in there, any, any negative aspect of the human experience would do just fine putting in that blank there. To set the oppressed free, the addicted, the violated, the impoverished, the depressed, the stressed out. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's the year of the Lord's favor? Today. Today, today, today. You see, there is no judgment here today. All there is here today is mercy and freedom. There is a day of judgment coming, but that's not today. And everyone who's found in Christ, who, like I said, bows their knee to his will and simply says, you're my king, I'm a sinner, save me. All their sins were judged on that cross where Jesus died on. Without Jesus, there is no way to get rid of the sin problem. Or if you're already a Christian without having a, a vibrant relationship with, with Jesus and living a grace-filled life, there's really no happiness or peace or contentment for us if we're living out of a bad news gospel. When we share the good news gospel with people, let's be careful we don't turn the good news into the bad news. So what is the bad news gospel? If you want to follow along again, we're going to read Matthew 23, 25 through 26. It would be on page 688 in the Bible in front of you or whatever app you're using. By the way, if you are using an app, you're more than welcome to take a picture of me and send it out there. It wouldn't offend me. Okay, this is Jesus speaking again. We're going to try to change gears here for a second and talk about the negative part of the message. You know, there's usually a positive part and a negative part, and then we'll bring it together and try to give you something to do during this week that'll make the, the message and what God is saying to you resonate more. That's where we're at now. This is Jesus speaking again, Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. <clears throat> You're hypocrites. And for our purposes today, you can think Christian when you hear Pharisee. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. In this chapter, Jesus had seven or eight warnings to the teachers of the law 
And it's obvious he's not talking about dishes, right? Dishes don't have envy. Dishes don't have self-indulgence. Um, it's almost impossible to share the good news unless you allow yourself to remember and feel the pain and the emptiness that comes with not knowing Christ. Our hearts must break for the lost. When you look at someone that doesn't know Jesus, the first thing that comes to your mind shouldn't be judgment. Or man, that, how can that person look at it or look at her? It crosses all of our minds. I'm not saying it's only you. But we do it. Our good news gospel morphs into a bad news gospel. The gospel of behavior modification. Cleaning the outside of the cup. We as Christ followers must be focused on bringing people to Jesus and allowing him to change them. Him, in his own time. And changes will come. Behavioral changes will come. Sometimes fast and sometimes slow. It's a journey that we don't control. We don't control it as people who are bringing the good news to people. And in my opinion, we don't even control it in our lives. We simply put ourselves in a place where God can lead us. And that's good news that we don't have to do it ourselves. Behavior modification is part of the bad news gospel. Other examples of how we can turn the good news gospel into a bad news gospel. Let me say this first. We are to bring the good news to everyone. All colors. All cultures. All educational levels. Poor people, rich people. Mean people, friendly people. Gay people. Everyone. We must be careful we don't get distracted by things like Starbucks cups. Imagine people on Facebook this week who may already think, some for good reasons, some for not, that Christians are petty. Or that we focus on the wrong things, the outside of the cup. Then they go on Facebook in the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of them trying to pay their bills, in the midst of them trying to be a husband or a father or a friend, in the midst of them watching their friends die from, well, last week we prayed for the scourge of heroin addiction, watching their friends die from things like that, struggling with this whole thing about gay marriage, what are we supposed to do? And all I see is the Christians saying things on Facebook and Twitter that are mean. They're not only mean, they're errant. They're not correct. People were so angry about a Starbucks cup that didn't say, you know, didn't have a snowflake or whatever it is on it. And I don't know why people were so surprised. Starbucks is in business to make money, not make Christians happy. I mean, right? I don't go to Starbucks to get a word from the Lord. I go to Starbucks to get a kick of caffeine. <laughs> and meet with many non-Christians in there. How can I sit and proclaim the love and forgiveness of Christ when I'm fixated on a cup? You can't. 
So here's the cup, the outside of the cup. I know it's offensive. Here's the cup. I know I'm being funny to make a point, but I'm telling you, I talked to people, read people's posts, heard things from people that were like, this is the end of Western civilization. (laughs) Starbucks doesn't have a snowflake on their cup. So I need to stand up and make a point about how evil it is. And I need to just let you know how bad my frustration and pain is and how ticked off I am at Starbucks. And the whole time, this is what should make us mad. This is the issue. Can you guys read it? People don't know Jesus. People don't know Jesus. The Starbucks thing is just one example. But we as Christians have a target, and that's to spread the good news gospel, and things like this only hinder and hurt us. And I would say, affect where people are going to spend eternity. Because we represent Jesus. We're his ambassadors. It's like when the country has an ambassador. When he or she is in their country, they speak the words of the president. Just like it came from him. They don't say, oh, I'm not going you know, to listen to you. You're not the president. Well, he has the power and the authority of the president. That's what we are. We have the power and the authority of Jesus to spread the good news. There are times to stand up and refuse to to bow to things in culture. I completely agree with that. Starbucks isn't the time to do it. Why does Starbucks shock so many of us? Well, in my opinion, I think because it's much easier to complain about a cup and to love your neighbors. I mean, hard neighbors to love. Everyone loves their cool neighbors. The ones over here, but the ones over there, you don't. I don't. It's easier to complain about a cup than to go to the hospital and visit someone who's dying or sick or drug addicted. To go see someone in jail who's a murderer or a thief. Whatever. I think it's easier to, to focus on the outside of the cup than the inside. It's just a distraction. It's a distraction from the good news that we're commissioned to proclaim. And let me just say clearly, if you're one of the people in here that don't know the good news, it's simple. Jesus died to make a way that you can be a friend of God. And it can happen just like that. What about someone's political affiliation? I know it's a shock, but there's going to be Republicans in heaven. There's going to be Democrats in heaven. There's going to be socialists in heaven. You name it. I mean, do you really think that someone's political affiliation has anything to do with the work that Jesus did on the cross? 
What about whether someone smokes or drinks? I mean, let me just say that's so 1950s. I'm not saying smoking and drinking too much is the best way to live, but what I'm saying is those are outside of the cup kind of things. And there is also nothing wrong with drinking in, in moderation. Nothing. Why don't you go out and have a beer with someone and proclaim the good news gospel to them of freedom? Instead of thinking about the beer you're going to have at home and because they don't want to think about you differently, getting a cup of coffee. I'm just saying be real. Be real and remember what people who are without Christ need and want. They're not looking for more rules or regulations. They're not looking for more They're not looking for what they perceive as more hate. They're not looking for more division. They participate in it, just like we do, because they don't know what else to do. What about someone's sexual orientation? That's a hard one to talk about, let me tell you. God defined in the Bible what is okay as far as a sexual relationship. It's clear, it's in the Bible, and the church has believed it from its inception. But let me say this. Living a homosexual lifestyle and then hearing from someone who's 45 pounds overweight that you need to just exercise some self-discipline, memorize these Bible verses, and you'll be fixed. Well, that's just crazy. It doesn't happen in reality. You know the way to get people into a place where Jesus can make them more like, like himself? It's to proclaim the good news gospel. What about people's position on abortion? I mean, what about it? I think abortion is abhorrent. But someone having an abortion or being involved in an abortion does not affect where they go for eternity. What affects where they go for eternity is what they do with the good news of Jesus. That's it. That's what I'm trying to get across. It's all about grace and mercy and bringing them to a place so the only person that has the right to judge them is God. And he's already judged the sins of everyone on that cross. All we have to do is bow our knee to him, just like we are. Jesus has a funny way of making people who follow him more like him. We just can't put a timetable on it. The kind of music people listen to. You know, I give this one all the time. A lot of you guys know my story. I, I, 
I struggle with a lot of anxiety and PTSD. And one of the most cathartic things I can do for myself is I get in my car and I play, uh, I play secular music, certain songs, at like 15. Because it really helps me. Let me say this. When I listen to some, I'm not saying anything's wrong with Christian music. I'm simply saying it cannot be a litmus test for people that we know or want to know Jesus. Or, or for sure, after they come to Jesus. If you really come to Jesus, you won't listen to Godsmack anymore. Or whatever. You won't listen to the Eagles or, you know, 21 Pilots. So you put your name in there. It's crazy. It's just crazy. And more important than that, it's not scriptural. And it won't lead people to freedom. It'll just give them more chains around than they already have. That's why they're interfacing with you about God. It's not an accident. And what they're looking for is someone to look them right in the eye and say, you know what, I love you and Jesus loves you. I'm not concerned with all that external junk. What I'm concerned about is to position you in a place where God can, can rain his mercy and life on you. After you agree, it's bad to shop at Starbucks. <laughs> See the dichotomy of that? It's wacky. Wacky. We cannot look at people that don't know Jesus just as a target to convert. We have to be willing to be their, their real friend. People can sense that. I mean... They know if we have ulterior motives, even mixed motives. I'm not saying our motives are bad, but they can sense whether it's grace, mercy, and acceptance, or whether it's just fall-in-line, groupthink Christianity. The world doesn't need that, and this fellowship doesn't need it. What we need is the grace of the good news gospel. Freedom and mercy and forgiveness. We all have our pet conformities. I get it. I do as well. We expect people to adhere to smoking, drinking, music, who they socialize with, how they dress. Do they speak the right Christian lingo? Do they wear enough Christian jewelry? Do they read the right Bible translation? That's one that really gets under my skin. Do you realize people that don't know Jesus don't give a darn about if you're reading the King James or the NLT? What you do in the beginning parts of someone's journey to Christ is much more important than what's in here because they don't care. Most people who don't know Jesus, when they see this, you know what they think of? Bigotry. Hate. Maybe some people who feed the poor occasionally. Go see someone when they're in the hospital. You know. Can't hang out during Christmas because, uh, for whatever reason. Do they only watch Christian movies? What about if they boycott or don't boycott certain companies? 
Do they hold the right political views? Do they separate themselves from non-Christians? These have become the litmus test. Conform and you're a Christian. That's the outside of the cup kind of thinking. We need to focus on the inside of the cup. If you clean the outside or let Jesus come and clean the outside, the inside of the cup will be cleaned as well. And that's what he said. He's got a pretty good track record. Because people are hurting badly in the world. Just let me repeat myself. Sickness and death. Drug addiction. Caught up in all kinds of sin. They need the good news of the gospel, not the bad news of behavior modification. I know I keep saying that over and over again. It's because it's on purpose. I'm almost done, and we'll get the ministry team up here and, and give people a chance to begin to follow Jesus. And like I said, for those of us who already do, to give us a, a fresh perspective on what it's like to be hopeless and lost. And not only hopeless and lost, but on the inside, the one institution that, you've, that you feel might be able to offer some hope. Imagine what it feels like when the door slams in their face. You want to talk about taking away someone's only hope. Focus on where they spent last night instead of why they spent last night the way they did. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for forgiveness. It's just hard for us to see it sometimes because they're, they're lost. Like we all were. Like we all were. If the ministry team could come on up and get ready to pray, I'd appreciate it. Someone once said that a theologically conservative or theologically liberal church says, Come into our church and you don't have to change anything. Just do whatever you want. It's cool. A theologically conservative church says, change everything in your life and then come here. A good news gospel church, the kind we're striving to build here, says, come as you are and allow Jesus to change you right here in the midst of our community. Like right here. Like at the coffee bar, like in the parking lot, like inviting them to your life group like inviting them out to dinner, like going to their house just to be their friends. God will open doors, I promise you. We don't have as many problems with God opening doors as us not walking through them. So to summarize and in closing, the great drama of the ages is where people are going to spend Eternity, starting today. It's not just about what's going to happen after the last, the last judgment. Eternal life starts today. When you receive Jesus, all the promises that he promised in his word, mainly forgiveness of sins and rightness with God, is what it's about. That's the great drama of the ages. 
And we must live and embody a good news gospel of freedom and forgiveness rather than a bad news gospel of behavior modification and look like me, act like me, groupthink Christianity. Let's bow our heads, guys. I want to go ahead and pray very briefly, and then I'll give a couple invitations. People are up here to pray for you as long as you need them to. Uh, I'm not going to twist anybody's arm to come up, but if you're here and you're a Christian, you know what the Holy Spirit feels like. Respond. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you probably know on the inside you want to know him. He's here to get. If you don't want to come up, just raise your hand. The only reason I want to know is so that we can begin to, to help you. So we can begin to walk beside you. So Lord, we thank you for your presence here, God. We thank you for your love and the way that you've provided freedom and peace. I pray now, God, that your Holy Spirit would draw people to yourself. And Lord, I also ask that those of us who know you would rethink some of the things we do or say or think that might be part of the bad news gospel and that you would really break our hearts for those of you, for those of, break our hearts for those of, a, of the friends that don't know you. Let us feel the pain and hopelessness and emptiness that we used to feel. And use that, Lord, to make us people of compassion and good news. So if you'd like prayer, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, or if you want the Lord to touch you and to give you a new touch of love for those who don't know him, come forward. All these people here are trained to pray for you, um, to ask the Holy Spirit to come. We'll wait just a few seconds. Well, remember that the team will stay up here for a bit if you need uh, physical healing or any other types of prayer. Feel free to do that. Um, thanks, you guys, for putting up with me. And, uh, oh, hey, yeah, let's pray for all these gifts. This is the good news gospel right here. Just a few days, these are going to be shipped all over the world, and I know that a lot of people worked very hard for it, and they're going to impact people's lives. So if you guys reach your hand out, let's bless these boxes as they get ready to go all over the world with the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for uh, Jesus and when he came into the world and all the gifts that he gave us, Lord. We pray that when these boxes go out, these would be gifts that young people all over the world would never forget. They would provide a, a little piece of light in a situation that is probably not very bright. We pray that churches all over America, God, would get these off today and they would be a record. There'd be more people touched than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.